You're listening to the Hopped Up Network. The show you're about to listen to is part of the Hopped Up Network's growing family of craft beer podcasts in the U.S. and Canada. I think it's great. Find this show and others like it at hoppedupnetwork.com, the spot for informative and entertaining craft beer podcasts. I love it. I love you guys. You're listening to the Hopped Up Network. This is Neil Fisher from Wellworks Brewing Company, and you're listening to the Pints and Provisions Podcast. You're listening to the Pints and Provisions Podcast with Evan, Mark, Ryan, and Dan. You're listening to the Pints and Provisions Podcast with Evan, Mark, and Dan. Oh, I forgot someone. I can't All right, here we go. Pints and Provisions Podcast back. We're uh, hosted by Ryan. Thank you very much for hosting. All right. And we have a, uh, a guest speaker with us tonight. His name is Mark. Oh, welcome back, Mark. Hey, glad to be here. Uh, it's only been a short uh, five, six months since you've been on. We've oh, missed he's been you on due. before? Uh, no, I said he was a new, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, he reminded us he has been on before. OG. OG, Mark. So we are going to get into Pills Fest, uh, Crispy Fest... Pop that pills. Uh, I think one of the biggest grow, uh, biggest growing trends now in craft beer certainly are sessionable beers, but you're starting to see pilsners come out, um, lagers come out, Hellas lagers, things like that, because most of these craft breweries, although I'm sure that the brewers, assistant brewers, bartenders, etc., want to sit there and drink barrel-aged stouts and hazy IPAs all day, it's probably not going to be one good for your waistline and two good for your ABV. Um, and so a lot of them will start brewing in-house lagers, and that's what they drink. But you're starting to see a lot of these come to the forefront, come to the tap room, um, get in cans, things like that. So, at uh, And we'll kind of go over who sent these to us, but at the generous uh, request of some beer friends, um, none were shy about sharing some from their local areas. Yeah, Ooh. excited. Yeah. So start off with beers of the week, as we always do. Go for it, Ryan. Yeah, mine is uh, Weldworks Brewing out of Greeley, Colorado. We've talked about them quite a few times. Uh, had the Media Noche 2018. Media Noche. On Friday night. Uh, split it with a couple of people here. Fan of the show, Brett. Um, and then some uh, some family. So it's aging quite gracefully. Uh, it's probably getting just about a year old because I think that's about a September release. And 18-month uh, bourbon barrel-aged stout. Uh, that boils, I think, for 36 hours. So uh, nice and thick. Delicious. Yeah, barrel was on point. Everything was terrific. So hard to beat that. Nice. All right, All Mark. Right. For me, I'm going to go with uh, Modern Times uh, Monsters Park, the bourbon barrel-aged vanilla stout. Mm-hmm. And actually, uh, Evan, this is one that you brought back uh, oh, from, yeah, from that's your right. uh, San Diego trip. In the 12-ounce can. Yeah, just 12-ounce can. Terrific. I've been sitting on it for a while and uh, cracked that and... Just a fantastic, well-balanced bourbon barrel-aged stout. So that's um, a good one. I really nothing to critique about it that I would want to change. It was nice. And in a twelve-ounce can format, 
It was perfect. It's I could perfect drink it, size. I could drink it by myself. You know, a lot of times, as you guys know, you get the larger format, and you almost feel like you got to share them with somebody, and so they kind of end up sitting around because, you know. Yeah. But that was just nice yep. on a on totally. A, I think I cracked it during a football game and just enjoyed it. Nice. When I was in Ames, Iowa, I hit up a brewery just outside of town called Alluvial Brewing Company. Uh, it was kind of on a farm. They have an organic farm next door. Uh, it's not one of your typical farmhouse breweries, but uh, they do focus a lot on local stuff, local ingredients. But, of course, they uh, did have a uh, kind of a hazy style IPA, although it was still a little bitter. So it's kind of a, almost like a crossover. I think maybe the West Coast um, style was uh, a, a little bit on the forefront, but it was a double whirlpooled whole hop citra and mosaic. So they use whole hops on it. So it did have a good, nice, bitter, you know, fruity, piney backbone. Uh, really liked it. They had a lot of good styles represented there. They had a sour, they had a stout, they had a pilsner, they had a lot of good uh, beers on tap. And it was a great place to visit, good staff there. So if you're ever in the Ames, Iowa area, which I'm sure none of us except for me might go there. Never been. Um, this is a great brewery to check out. It's not a, uh, don't sleep on the, these guys. They make some great stuff. My alma mater basically doesn't have a football team, so I don't see any time <laughs> soon I'll be going there. <laughs> um, but anyway, down, 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 down for Pilsner Fest. So we got a bunch of Pilsners from around the country. This is a style that a lot of people are um, really enjoying lately because they're light. Uh, they still pack a lot of good sort of beer flavor. They're crispy. I think one of the uh, nicknames for these are crispy boys. <laughs> Basically, a, a pilsner is a, a blonde or a, a, like a light or pale lager, correct? Correct. Okay. And usually there's a lot of old world hops. I mean, they they uh, they uh, originated out of um, the Czech Republic. Right. And Czechoslovakia at the time. Czechoslovakia at the time. Um, and most of them, uh, yeah, are pretty light. They usually wor- use a lot of those old world hops. Uh, they lager it. So we're talking about lower fermentation temperatures and everything in terms of fermentation. So they tend to be very effervescent. Very, I think the word crispy tends to come to mind just because they do have a nice crisp uh, carb to them. But they're crushable. Some are crushable. You can have this in between to clean your palate. If you're drinking heavier style beers or mouth coater kind of beers. So that's why I think people like Pilsners a lot too. Because if you sit down and have two or three of them, you can still enjoy another beer if you want. Yeah, I don't know what your thoughts are, Evan. I I think when, uh, I don't know, it was probably three or four months ago, maybe even closer to six months ago, Kyle went down to Austin, Texas for work and came back with some Live Oak Pils. Mm -hmm. I think just... Maybe just one for each of us, and I just remember drinking that, and we were talking, and I was it was just kind of like, why why don't we have this more yeah. often, uh, this style or or even this specific beer? But uh, it kind of just got me thinking about the the crispiness, the lightness, and everything else. Like you said earlier, it's just uh, it's really easy drinking. Um, the live oak one was spot on with flavor, plenty of bitterness from hops, but uh, you really got that that crisp lager uh, portfolio there. So um, or profile there. So. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just ever since then, I've just kind of been craving the Pilsner, and it was good timing with the summer and everything else. And um, can't complain. It's definitely. I mean, also right in the middle of summer, it's a perfect beer for summertime. It, it's a beer you can enjoy. Boat beers year round, but it, there's just something about that light, 
crushable, uh, low ABV kind of session beer for summertime that uh, I think everybody loves. Yeah, and I even, I was thinking we went to Michigan for the 4th of July weekend, and I don't think I had anything from like super out of town, but uh, I think I took some Irvin Chestnut Zwickel, and um, so that's, you know, kind of more of a European lager style, um, and maybe a few others similar to that, and I just remember thinking the first beer of the day, trying that, or one day I tried a hazy IPA, it was just like, I really just don't want the hazy if I'm having a beer at two o'clock or three o'clock and then sure. trying to have, you know, beers kind of for the next few hours in the day or whatever. I mean, it just was there, such a different on the stomach and everything else. There's times when I, when I do want that big flavor bomb, yeah. I want that hazy, you know, juicy IPA that I can en- enjoy. Uh, but yeah, there, most of those are weighing in at six, seven, eight percent, yeah. not higher. Um, and yeah. most of these are in the four to five percent range. And these are, these are, we have really good ones that are that you can find locally. Four point nine, um, like this one I, I picked up this week uh, locally here in Peoria. Uh, it was Perennials Pills, and it was it's just a fantastic. Uh, what's that weigh in? It's at? five point zero. Yeah, five point zero. Uh, I cracked one of those after mowing the other day and it just hit the spot. Crush it. Right. Yeah, we were down in St. Louis a couple weeks ago. I think we'll maybe chat about that later, but. Uh, I actually thought perennial pills was only available on site. So maybe this is the first time we got it through distribution, but I think I bought close to a case of it at the brewery because yeah. I was just like, I want this for like the next three months. I'm not going to be yeah. back in St. Louis anytime soon. And then I, a couple of days later, Mark, you <laughs> took a picture at the yeah. store half a mile down the street that had yeah. some, I was like, Oh, oh well. well, I'm a little overstocked on perennial pills, but it's, it's a terrific one. I mean, it's well, and that one specifically, um, it wasn't always something that was in uh, distribution. It was probably available there, but I think mostly available to employees and staff who may want to have a beer when they're done with work or, uh, on, I guess, on their lunch break. If you're a brewer, you can drink a beer if sure. you want. Research. Um, but, yeah, R&D. <laughs> but that allows you to have a beer beer. You know, it's a beer, enjoyable beer beer where you can go back to work and be totally functional. Right. Um, this other one that we got is from Angry Chair. A friend Ian Canopy down there sent this up, a crowler of it. It's their Vodnik. Uh, it's a 4.9% uh, Pilsner. You got some more? That's probably There's pretty no much it. There's no more details, but Untap says 5.6%, but does say 4.9 on the crowler. I was kind of wondering about that if they've just, if it changes every batch or how that Could. how that moves, but um, they just have it listed as a Czech Pilsner. Yeah. Um, I definitely get a little bit more. I don't know. Maybe it's just less hops. Or a little bit it's more a little of lighter. lagery flavor to it. Crackery um, kind cracker, of just, yeah. just kind of a bland um, grain, you know, like a cracker, like like yep. a saltine cracker, but not in a... The, in the nose, though, I still get hops. Yeah. Yeah. And it, these are always beers, too, that most brewers, breweries cannot hide behind. If you get an adjuncted stout and throw a bunch of peanut butter cups in it, you may be able to hide behind a base stout that isn't really that great or has some flaws or has some, and that's okay and, and, and that's fine, but these you can't hide behind. Everything is going to come out on these. Yeah. And I think we've talked before that a lot of brewers will say, I don't care what your uh, hazy IPA tastes like or what your uh, pastry stout tastes like, brew me a, a Pilsner, and then I'll I'll figure out if it's I think you're a, a good brewery or not. Kind of a true test. You know, because the, the fermenting temperature and just, you know, longer brew session and things like that that kind of just, I don't I guess are a little bit more challenging. Well, I think like what Evan's or saying. Or consistency is probably more challenging for sure. Because you have a super light malt, you know, malt bill, 
So you don't have a lot of specialty grains, specialty malts. You've got pretty much Pilsner malt. Well, the more simplistic it is, the more it's going to expose any of your yeah. brewing flaws. Water is huge on these in terms mm-hmm. of profile, pH, chemistry behind the water. Hops are typically the old world, so they're a little bit more... You almost kind of got that light struck, you know, bitterness to them where they almost feel like they're a little skunky, but those that's kind of like the saws yep. and the mm-hmm. the... The hops uh, of the, the 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 European style, but then the yeasts tend to be, you know, pretty light on flavor. Those are going to drop out, and you're not really going to get a whole lot of on this uh, on this one. I feel like I get a little grassiness on the Angry Chair one. Yeah, I would agree. I think there's probably more bitterness on the uh, perennial one. I don't know. I, I personally like the perennial one a little bit more. I think it just had a little bit better flavor, but. I agree. Um, both are both are pretty good. This is definitely a crispy as well. And I'm trying to think I, back. I could drink both of these. Uh, yeah, <laughs> any one, day of the week. One that's been around for a long time. That's always been kind of that one. I you'll grab when you want something light. Uh, you can find it just about everywhere. Uh, Oscar Blues. Uh, yeah. Mama's Mama. Mama. Little, little yellow little, pills. Yeah. Little yeah. yellow pills. That one's great. I, you're starting to see these more and more. Uh, I picked one up the other day also from Eight Strength. 18th street brewery in indiana they're just north of uh three floyds uh they had one it was called patio pills oh okay i didn't know they made one yep and just a really nice light crushable beer just just like this perennial so three floyds has always been one that's kind of trying to do things different and you know it's not normal as their slogan were they ever into the loggers i'm trying to think of what they've done i feel like they had to have just because it was like I don't know, I guess until about probably six months ago, it was probably just the old school style of beer making, and that would be something that they would do, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head. What is, is Calumet Queen, isn't that a Kolsch though? Yeah, I think that is a Kolsch style. I mean, they've got, they've got Scottish ales, they've got a lot of IPAs, their stouts, obviously. I'm trying to think, it's... I don't know, if they do, it's just sort of probably flying under the radar in terms of a beer. Yeah. But, uh... Too many, um... What's the, one in, uh, what's the one that makes uh, Ghost in the Machine? Uh, Parish. Parish. I had the Parish Pills. The Pilsner was fantastic. Yeah. Oh, did you get... Yeah, I gave you one of those, yep. right? Yeah, that was a great one. Um, it just... It's, it's that reminded nice. me of like a domestic like lager. Yeah. That one really reminded me of like, am I drinking a Coors Light or something? Yeah. And to be quite honest, that style, like an American style lager is very difficult to brew. Yeah. Um, any of these lagers are difficult to brew, so I like that they're certainly making it a thing. Um, Von Munster. Munster. Munster Pilsner. Okay, so that's the Three Floyds. So if you see a Von Munster. It's a German Pilsner, 4.8%. I've never seen that one. When was it added? Let's look here. You usually have a date. Poor Brothers I'm put on. reviews from July of 19. So oh, okay. Maybe it's new. Uh, Poor Brothers just put on uh, Brooklyn Lager. I don't even know that if that's considered a so Pilsner. Good. It's a terrific one. I haven't been there yet since they put it on, but I've always enjoyed that when I've been on the East Coast as kind of an easy drinking one, too. I don't know. Do they classify that as a Pilsner or just more? I mean, uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's exactly. You know, because you got like things like Hella style lagers that are kind of like all in the same wheelhouse as these. Uh, next, I'm going to pop this one Sideward Brewing. This was sent to us from Eddie Simone. Punks in the Waiting Room Lager. Uh, this is in Orlando, Florida. From what I understood, he said, um, you know, he's friends with the brewer, so they're definitely interested to hear what we have to say about this. So, 
Well, he's opening that, so we were talking about doing these blind, Mark. <laughs> I'm trying to think. That would be tough. It'd be interesting. I mean, we're not... They're all... They're, none of them have a real distinct description. So, I, you know, we we couldn't be like, oh, well, that's the angry, angry chair one. And, oh, never mind. That's that's for sure the, pil- the uh, perennial one. So it'd probably just be more a little bit on kind of separating the flavors from each other and figuring out which one you like and and don't like or like more than the other. So I feel like none of us <laughs> would change our opinions much whether we that's, do it blind or not blind. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's... Which is maybe why we're thinking just not even to worry about it. Right. And I think that most of these are going to be so similar and probably is going to be very difficult, but that probably is a good thing with these. They're not if, going for... If you, destru- uh, if you deconstruct one of them, I think we would just keep saying the same sort of characteristics over and over again so it'd probably not make for a very good uh podcasting and these very much um aren't going for sort of individual um uh, recognition you know none of these should sort of stand out they may have subtle differences based on maybe their water profile things like that sure you're probably not going to find a whole lot of difference it's not like um you know they actually are trying to replicate a style rather than you know, a lot of hazy IPAs maybe wanting to put their own little spin or own little twist on. There's so many things to mess with with a hazy IPA. There's not a whole lot to mess with here. Not a whole lot. Yeah, and sometimes the blind things we do are verticals and things of different vintages and fruits and stuff like that. But <laughs> these are all pretty pretty straightforward profiles, so it makes it a little bit Can different. we go back to the lake and get on the boat? I'm kind of feeling yeah, like really. I need to get on the boat. Well, we, like this. it's 90 degrees outside on a mid-September day, which is pretty rare. I hate this. I and hate this weather. <laughs> I wanted to podcast outside, but then it was too hot. But drinking these Pilsners, I'm like, man, it would kind of nice. Yeah, cool us be off. nice to, uh, to be sitting outside right now. Spent the entire day on the golf course, and it was hot and muggy. Not a, not a lot of breeze. This one has a lot of good crispiness to it. This one's very, very... Now, I will say that, of course, the Crowler is a Crowler, and so you might lose a little carb on this, but this one's That's fair. really carbed. I like it a lot. It's got a great bitterness on the end. It's super light. Uh, I did have one of these before, just for a little R&D as well, um, <laughs> the other weekend, and it, it actually stood out to be um, you know, up there with that Live Oak Pills for me. So this is described as a pale lager, 5%. Bingo. Or five, five, and four point nine. <laughs> and so, are all of these filtered, typically, or can you still go unfiltered versus filtered? Since, especially you know, we're doing the American style. I guess that depends. I bet most of these, though, with lagering, they're probably and should be pretty clear on their own. But you can get an unfiltered lager. I think you're going to see uh, variants of it as well. I was up at uh, Tangled Roots in Ottawa, and they had a Pilsner on draft but it was double dry hopped so they're they're doing variants of like you know everybody's kind of putting their spin on it so they took a pilsner then they double dry hopped it yeah so it came out very hazy looking a little cloudy mm-hmm. um what was it the main beer company hoppy pills oh that was fantastic <laughs> of course they you know they're putting a little bit more dry hopping on that yeah. but you got that main main beer company whoa. spin on a pilsner whoa. <laughs> that was fantastic whoa yeah but traditionally, I know Brian bet. will get more of those for us next time. Yeah, uh, Brian, Brian's time a, a main beer company uh, fanboy. So um, I will say that the Alluvial Brewing Company up in Ames did have a very good pills on their uh, list too, in addition to their other spectrum of stuff. So their Pilsner was really good. 
Um, I know, let's see, the guys downtown at Bearded Owl have done a Hellas, and they're mm-hmm. uh, starting to dip their toes into the lagering a little bit more. They do more. a great job with their lagers. Um, I don't think industry has any lagering or lagers available. They just basically are pails in terms of their um, their their ales. Yeah. Um, let's see. Locally, what else? I don't... I think... Um, normal pills at, at Distill. Right, and Little Beaver, I think they tried... They tried some, or maybe that did was a they? Mexican Mexican lager. They did do a Mexican lager, but not a Pilsner. Yeah, right. So that was more of a Vienna style lager. Those are yeah. a little salty, I think, for me. Yeah. Um, they usually try to do salt and lime with the lager, which is fine. But yeah. Use I think just a little too much salt typically how those turn out for me. Yeah. Yeah. This one is fantastic. I right. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that that was after a night of having a couple other beers too, and so I still say that this is you can see phenomenal. when you. When you drink this you can see where the the nickname crispies comes from <laughs> I, re- I annoyed my wife a lot um up at the lake uh, asking i was like can you hand me another one of them crispy boys and she got <laughs> real annoyed real fast although she was probably the first one to probably go grab one of those when it was time to get another yeah. one she really liked the pilsner and for someone who's not an uber beer drinker to you know this is a style that everyone should, if you like a beer at all this is a very good style to, to get people excited about beer. Yeah, this has, I don't know if it's a, it, there's got to be some kind of unique hop to this that's adding a little, a little, more little bit, maybe it's just a little bit more bitterness, but it's kind of got little, I don't want to say funk to it, but. it's that, I, think it, I think that is like that light struck, it could be like um, aged hops. It's really enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, this this could. I'm glad you brought I, two cans of this for us. Should to it? Well, I, I, uh, we're gonna move into some of these other ones. I mean, Live Oak Pills is obviously a good one. We're gonna have that next to all these, but I really want you to try the Frame uh, Family Brewers uh, up in Oregon. I did R and D with that recently. It's pretty good, wasn't <laughs> it? It's pretty yeah. good. Do you know where in Oregon? Let me look. Yeah, Evan needed to offload a few of these last weekend, so I, I got the fridge so there and were, had a couple Friday, a couple Saturday. The nice thing is um, a Hood River. When you were in some of these, um, you know, online trade groups, uh, beer groups, sometimes when you ask for certain things, um, people are more than willing to share. Pilsners are one of those things, or lagers are one of those things, because you know people trade a lot, people. Um, pay a lot for barrel-aged stouts and hazy IPAs because of the limited value. But every, any one of these is sitting on a shelf somewhere or sitting at the brewery ready to be purchased. Mm-hmm. And so no one had hesitated like, hey, I, I don't have any problem sending. Like, I'm going to have a problem sending this to you. I want, I, want, I want the premium value for this. People are like, I'll tell you how much it is, and you send me a label, and it's yours. Right. I think it's cool because people want to share their beers from their region. Yeah, you know everybody wants. You know everybody's. Hey, we're West Coast. We love ours. Try this. We're Midwest. Try this. We're East Coast. Whatever. People are proud of where they're from and the beers that are being produced in that area. Okay, so again, this is the frame. It's spelled P F R I E M. It is from Hood River, Oregon. Frame Pilsner is a refreshing and flavorful, as its European cousin. With aromas of fresh flowers and honey, we managed to fit the Pacific Northwest into each bottle. This be cold. So enjoy this one. Hood River is like in the middle of nowhere. Um, it looked like it was 
pretty far east of Portland, but right on the Columbia River. So it's right on the border with Oregon and Washington. Kind of its own little town, which I bet they have a terrific location to sit there and drink a Pilsner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is a nice summer day. So, um, Mark, don't be stingy with that. I got another bottle if you want. Um, <laughs> trying to pace myself. I've been golfing all day. The, um, the, the, the opportunity you have, Mark, to go celebrate a very special birthday um, in about a month when you go. I bet you can probably find things like this on the shelf. Sure. So uh, look out for these guys. So their description, um, it's, I don't know if you said it's a 4.9% uh, beer. The description says the story of Pilsner starts in 19th century Bohemia when a Bavarian monk smuggled a special yeast to a brewmaster in Pilsen. The story of Frem? Frem? I think it's Frame. Frame? The story of Frame Pilsner starts in the Pacific Northwest where it acquires the aroma of fresh grass and flowers and a touch of honey. While there are no monks involved in this Pilsner, there's still a crisp and spicy finish. Yeah, spicy <laughs> is another good word for these. So maybe I should have done more research on the uh, the history instead of trying the style, but uh, the the smuggling of a special yeast is is kind of kind of a cool story behind it. Yeah, and, and of course, if you go to um, the Pilsen, right, Czech uh, in the Czech Republic. Yep. This is yeah. This is where they originated. So, uh, yeah, we we should have done it. That's so okay. I wonder if it's like uh, Cologne, Germany, where you I just bet it's have a lot like that. Twenty different breweries. All they do is make a pilsner. It's basically one beer on draft. You go there. You can try the 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 different ones per brewery. But you basically go there and you there's one beer you can order, and it's a pilsner. Crispy city, crispiest city in the world. Yep, uh, Pilsen in the Czech Republic. 1842 was the first one yes i think you know the american style probably naturally is just adding extra hops to it i would guess and probably a little earlier so that they're you know more bitter than than this uh, you know ddh flavor but i gotta think our palates are probably preferring that at this point just from what we've we've tried around kind of the the beer markets styles yeah, just a hoppier Pilsner, I think, is probably what our palates are maybe more ready for. You know, if we were to, I would say your typical American that's, you know, kind of had been around the block with their, their different styles of craft beer, you put uh, your standard European Pilsners up against your American Pilsners. I would guess most people would pick the American ones as their pr- preference. But then if you do the same in Europe, I think they would probably mostly pick their, their European ones. I suppose that. You know, if they're if it's a matter of hops, differences in hops, I'm sure that their hops are definitely going to be more of that spicy, that more herbal, that almost like I said, skunky. Uh, but that's the quality of the the hops that they have. Not I shouldn't say quality, but the profile of the hops that they have tend to be kind of that more skunky, light struck for sure. And that's exactly what they're going for. They're not trying to make it clean. I mean, it's clean and refreshing, but it does have that sort of like, is this skunky? What's going on? You know, like a Pilsner Yerkel. Yeah. Which is in a green bottle, which those notoriously have, you know, been known. But I think some of the intention there is to be a little light struck. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I'm kind of well, thumbing, yeah. I'm thumbing through my notes looking of past beers that I've had that are in this Pilsner family. Another notable one that I enjoyed was uh, when we were at Russian River. The uh, STS. STS pills. Yes. Was a I don't think I tried that. It's a, I mean, just a great representation of 
a pilsner. Yeah, it's got a blue label. Yep. Um, Vinny brought some of the a bunch of those bottles to the brewing conference. Um, Trillium makes a good pilsner, and the story there, JC said, you know, they did. It's another story where they didn't can it regularly or almost at all because obviously all their profits are coming out through hazy IPAs. Mm-hmm. But it was something that the brewers in-house wanted to have always on tap and available for them. And they find out that, you know, there are people coming in like, oh, gosh, you should can this. Oh, you should make more of this. And turns out they did, and it makes a pretty damn good pills. So I look on Beer Advocate, uh, and I meant to have this up because I checked it out a couple days ago, Evan. But um, top pilsners rated on Beer Advocate, or at least uh, from how their rating uh, calculation standpoint is, the top one in the world, I believe, is Suarez Family. Uh, which one? I know they have a special place in your heart, so I Palatine Pills. I don't oh, know if you've had that one. I have one in my fridge. Okay, there you go. I don't <laughs> think I've... I think I've only had like a Saison from, from Suarez Family that we had here that we thought was fantastic, but uh, I know a lot of people are raving about their Pilsners, and yeah, I just wanted to see what you thought of that. The other one on here that just kind of stood out was Hill Farmstead Mary, Okay. I know that Mary was commonly on draft when, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when I was out there for my Vermont week bachelor party. And I can say that uh, we definitely had a, a pour of Mary while we were there, but I don't think anyone was interested in that. Well, and just kind of like to go back there now. I'd probably start with two of those. Yeah. And then d- dive into the society and solitudes and Abner and. Well, it probably just kind of fades in the background, which that's kind of what their, I guess their intention is with these is to. Sort of just blend into the background. Yeah, for sure. It's like the the gentle brush strokes, you know, of your painting. It just needs to sort of blend in with everything, tra- help you transition from one to another, serve as a palette cleanser. How many in the top ten are from the U.S.? All of them. Yeah, it looks like um, eight. Okay. Number 12's uh, from Europe, but most of them, I think maybe four of the top 20 are uh, Europe and the rest okay. are uh, U.S. So, I mean, which is expected probably with sure. mostly Americans using this site and rating. But right. So um, how would you describe this one? Because... I haven't had a sip yet. Oh. I mean, I can tell you after having the other ones exactly how I kind of think this fits in. What do you think? I just think this is so well-balanced. It's clean. It's dry. It's got less of a bite than the other. Exactly. It's just sort of like it goes in, it tastes like beer, and then it disappears. It's sweeter, right? Yeah, I agree. It's that got honey a sweetness to it. Yeah, the honey part of it. But then it, it, it's it it dries out, and then you want another drink. So this is actually eleven on the beer advocate list. The frame. The yeah, the frame pilsner, and then the other one I did. Um, I saved one for Brian. We're going to save one for nice. Brian. Hey, he'll how, he'll appreciate this. So how would this hold up over time like compared since it is kind of in the lager family is it going to obviously it's going to hold up a lot better than like your your hazy IPAs that are totally. going to fall off. I think these will I mean these could easily last 3 months. No problem, longer. Yeah. Just Especially yeah, if you keep it refrigerated. Set of live oaks for in the fridge for probably at least three months, and they're those still drinking great. Yeah, I've had I've had those shipped to me um, from my buddy down there from May, and I had them in July. Perfectly fine. This, yeah, uh, I think uh, it's actually brewed on uh, or bottled on July 11th, so holding up nicely. Yeah, uh, a month. 
Oh gosh, that's two two yeah. months. Yikes! It is mid September. <laughs> Feels it is week three of college football. College football, Ames, Iowa this week. Uh, college Ames. Oh, wait, is it Day. week two because they now have week zero, whatever no, it is? But no, that was still. Week. This is still week three. Okay. Um, biggest, uh, probably in recent time, biggest Cyhawk game, um, probably in recent memory. Um, you're seeing a, a lot of resurgence here of the uh, Iowa State program. Uh, Matt Campbell at the helm, and then you've got big one this weekend. The steady, the steady Eddie there at Iowa, uh, Kirk Ferentz. Um, we'll see what happens. I don't have a feeling either way. You know who I'll be cheering for. Are you going? Interestingly enough, I will be in Iowa City while the game is going on because Brian and I will be attending a cyclocross, a World Championship cyclocross event. Um, but they're going to have it on a big screen TV there. And they will have Deschutes beers on tap nice. serving all day so we can watch some um, Belgians ride their bikes and get muddy and we can watch a good football game. So you couldn't go over to game day with the Pints and Provisions banner and stand in front row for like 20 minutes and then drive back to I Iowa could give City. it to my mom and maybe she could do it. Uh, I'm sure she'll be there. <laughs> so Yeah, just looking at the games, I guess, yeah, that's that's by far the best game of the week. Um, they were lobbying, they, like the fans were lobbying hard. I was going to say, it's such a crazy rivalry that probably, it's the, I mean, even us in Illinois that just have no investment in Iowa, Iowa State know about the rivalry, but I'm just thinking like people in California, New York, Florida, they don't know anything about it, and I think it'll be a pretty crazy atmosphere, and it's it'll a, be good exposure for it. It's for a it crazy rivalry that most people outside of Iowa don't really know about. Right. And that's the truth. But the fan base of those two programs is unbelievable. It's like some a, of the most diehard fans around. It's it's a messy game outside of the stadium. Let's just say that. <laughs> Let's just say that the last time that they did a night game was 2002. By the way, Iowa State won in Iowa City, one of the best sci games of all time on our side. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the last time they did a night game. I was in Iowa City at the bars. It was a mess, <laughs> a absolute mess. But compared to like what they say as uh, Baton Rouge, most of the time it starts drinking at seven, and all their games are at night, and it's just wild it's and bedlam. messy. Most of the time, they've always put that game at like eleven o'clock, but usually never later later than like two thirty three. Um, and this year it's a three because the game day. I think part of the reason it's going to get. I think it's going to get some good exposure. I think it's great. Obviously, I don't think Iowa needs a, a ton of exposure. I mean, they've gotten a lot of recognition in the past, uh, especially in the last, like, probably 20 years. Um, but we're, we're definitely um, we're definitely going to benefit the biggest uh, here, no matter what, because uh, they're hosting it. So, But that's just me being biased. We'll see what happens. Uh, this will probably uh, post after the game. We'll see. Uh, so, yeah, go Cyclones. Ryan, you had a good time down at Brett's bachelor party? It was a great time. It was a very quick, uh, I guess we'll call it a three-day bachelor party, even though it didn't start till uh, a little later Thursday night. But uh, we had a nice bottle share to start the trip off at uh, Poor Brothers. That's right. Because the last time we were talking about what you were going to do, and this time you got it done. We got it done. It was was a well-planned bachelor party. Uh, true beercation bachelor party. So probably the only other one I've been on was my own, and you know the rest of them uh, typically, hopefully, we're trying to get to maybe one brewery or whatever. So Brett made sure to focus this one on uh, 
on the pints and provisions. So let's see. Thursday night was a bottle shared at uh, Poor Brothers. They did a great job hosting. We had, um, I'm trying to think, we had a, a very hev- heavy coconut stout share. Uh, <laughs> coconut Media Noche, uh, Lodestar by Three Floyds. How was that? It was pretty good. Um, so there wasn't a ton of coconut. Really? So the debate was, will age bring more coconut out because of that strong Dark Lord base fading more? Or will the coconut fade more and it'll just get less and less? I feel like any adjunct's going to fade. I think the coconut tends to fade. That's kind of what I thought. But I, I had a space trace I think once. it was just more because... I got like- I mean, it was terrible. I think it was more like because of the soy sauce, Dark Lord versus like, will versus that fade more? Um, so it uh, it was it was pretty good, but it was you know the it's in like a not it's on like a port barrel type thing too. Of course, so just, it was just a little that came through a little bit barrels. strong too. So I didn't love the balance of it. It was one of the better Dark Lord variants for sure. But uh, I had one on draft at Dark Lord Day, and the, I think that came through a little stronger. Um, I do feel like see, we had coconut is like of the variants. That's one that fades faster than others, in my opinion. Probably, I think so too. We had that space trace that was fa- very faded. I mean, you the space it, trace you when have you have it f- fresh, awesome. It's awesome. It's like coconut, oil, you know, coconut oil right. um, that you rub, you rub to get tan. And then a couple years later, I think it was a 2016, and I probably had it two years after the fact, and it was not good. I mean, it just was not good. Yeah. But coconut media noche, um, oh yeah, I mean, fantastic. I mean, still drinking, fantastic. It was it was really really great. Everyone enjoyed that one. Um, there was one other coconut one. I'm kind of drawing a blank right now. What we had, uh, but then we had magic lambic by Cantillon. So what is that exactly? It's uh, ra- uh, raspberries based, but I think oh. it's spent raspberries, so it's a little bit uh, softer. Uh, it was almost like a Vienne rose. Yeah, but. Way better. I mean, better. very lambic, but better. Very Cantillon, funky lambic tasting with raspberry, um, with with subtle raspberry. It was really, really nice. I think all of the craft beer drinkers and even the non craft beer drinkers were pretty impressed by that one. That's well done. Um, had a couple others. I mean, we tried to drink from the wall too, so I think we only had maybe one or two others. But uh, the beercation then went to St. Louis the next morning, so we drove down to Narrow Gauge Brewing. Nice. They open at 11, so we were basically like, we'll leave in Peoria at around 8, 8.30, and we'll be there at open, mm-hmm. get some cans, maybe a draft while they're getting all of our beer to go, and then um, we'll head uh, head over to lunch and then side projects. So we had a bur- one of the best burgers just about everyone had was at this little place on the way to side project where people like line up inside the restaurant for a burger. What What's the, it called? What was the name? Oh, Is it downtown? It's... It's somewhere between Narrow Cage and Side Project, which is basically the whole city. (laughs) You're right. Uh, Hold on a second. I will pull it out while we're talking. So we had the burgers, and then we went over Side Project. And um, while we were standing in line at Narrow Gage, Side Project tweeted that they had BBT Batch 1 on site. So you were like, let's leave. (laughs) So everyone got real excited. They basically said... um, we have a limited amount, and so when these are gone, they're gone for the rest of the weekend. I think we heard that they had 15 total, and we had two of them. Well done. So, 
rid we the world of those BBTs. In and two of us put our credit cards on the table and we'll go BBT, please. <laughs> so we all had very, very healthy pours of BBT. Uh, then they had, uh, we had Merci, Maltvin. Maltvin was just fantastic. You, that's a good beer, isn't that's it? That's the first time I've had it. It's amazing. It isn't was it? amazing. Um, just thinking of like trade values and everything else. Um, it was uh, it was pretty special. So that was that was a good one. What else? Uh, we had Saison uh, du Fermier batch five, which was one they came out with a couple weeks ago. Um, that was on draft. Fantastic. Nice. Shared had a Pilsner on draft that was good. We spent a good amount of time there. Um, so, and what did you do with the uh, swag, the pints and provisions swag? I gave it to Karen. We'll Karen see, King. Uh, Karen King. We'll see uh, how it goes. I did meet Corey after I gave it to Karen, but I didn't want to bring it up. He was talking with some friends, and the friend did uh, chat with me a little bit about BBT2 and some of their releases and kind of gave me some tips and stuff. So, That's cool. Um, so I talked to a few of those folks. So I think he's one of the Lakoterie members and uh-huh. kind of is, is in on the whole thing because he's been uh, kind of a partner with, I shouldn't say partner, but friend of the business you know, since uh, day one. Um, so yeah, we had a good time. So I at least just got to say hi, hi to Corey and just kind of said, you know, appreciate what you guys do. And I love you, a, man. Nope. It wasn't fanboy or anything. It just said, Hey, uh, you appreciate know, you guys, what you're doing. You guys have a great business. I, that's kind of what I said to Karen was just, we, uh, we seem like fanboys on the podcast, but really like you guys just make really great beers right. and, you know, kind of all around the world. Totally. You see people now flying in from different areas of the world to, uh-huh. to go to St. Louis to, uh, have a weekend trip that includes side projects. So yeah, it's, it's a, a pretty destination. Cool, it's a pretty cool thing, and that's what the bachelor party was centered around. It was like, right. w- I want to go to see side project, and we'll get the other breweries um, around you know around the area. So it, we did. Uh, yeah, that, what's that? That burger joint was it called Bailey's Range? No, it was not. I can't find my dang uh, itinerary in my email anymore. <laughs> All right, I was just um, curious because I stopped there and had a fantastic burger, but it was. It was more downtown St. Louis. So while you look that up, um, fellow uh, uh, guest Kyle and I brewed on Sunday. Uh, we did, of course, a more or less a New England style or hazy IPA. Uh, I did have some hops um, from the Brewers Conference that I got that are Pacifica and Kowatu, so the kind of New Zealand hops. We basically used those to Whirlpool. We plan on using a lot of Citra and Eldorado in the dry hop. We did a ton of wheat and oats on the malt bill, but of course, lots of the base malt two row. Uh, we end up having to do a split mash ton. So my mash ton could not handle 26 pounds of grain. I was wondering if you'd max that thing out. So what I realized is I have an old, you know, kind of like your high school Gatorade cooler sort of like, mm-hmm. you know, mash ton. I was like, why the hell can't we split the grain bill completely in half and just do two separate mashes? And you can actually kind of maximize your efficiency because what you what happens if you max out your mash ton in terms of a grain bill, you got more grain per uh, volume of water, you lose efficiency. So it's harder to extract all the sugars. Okay. So what we gain by doing two separate mash tons, and really, to be quite honest, it wasn't a whole lot more work, is we can increase our efficiency. So... We did it. We sparged separately, which is kind of the, the washing of the spent grain. Uh, and we gathered, a, um, I think, a pretty good efficiency out of that. 
And then uh, our, our fun part, and I know Kyle will always talk about his love of the Quebec style yeast strains. So we use one of the Quebec yeasts uh, from Omega Labs up in Chicago. And what those are... Is that a hard yeast to get? No, not anymore. Okay. So especially for home brewers. That's so, a high temp yeast, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So now that I've got this uh, absolutely fantastic fermenter that has a pretty good temperature control high and low i set the sucker for 90 degrees and so this yeast is fermenting at 90 degrees and most of the time when you fiddle with yeast at 90 degrees or high temps you're going to get a lot of ester profiles so a lot of that banana clove ester bombs like you would get out of a half or something like that but these clean and they ferment fast and at high temps so don't be surprised if you start to see a lot more of these and not to say that a bunch of breweries are going to advertise this, but you're going to see a, a quicker turnaround of getting beers through because they ferment so much more quickly. So we'll see. It, I mean, it was going like gangbusters. It's really slowed down. Uh, I'm going to check the um, check the check the gravity, see where we're at, and then we'll start to cold crash it. Um, we'll we'll dry hop it. So the first Kyle Evan collaborations in the books. Awesome. And from the end result, from just where everything went during the day, you think all is planned? We were happy. happy. I mean, you know, Kyle was there definitely to um, not only be a little bit more smart, you know, he's he's got a lot more, I think, experience brain-wise behind. He really um, knows his stuff. W- right. And so, like, when things were, I shouldn't say when sometimes I might gloss over some of those details, he certainly wasn't letting me, but then he definitely helped kind of troubleshoot a few new logistical things that I had to, to fiddle with, with the new fermenter. So it was very, very helpful to have someone who knew what he was doing with me. Cause if I did that by myself, I would have been, uh, and, and it's, it's a lot of work putting in a full day like that. So having Kyle help out is fun. We had some good beers. We drank, um, the Jester King, uh, La Petite Prince, which is the 2.9% table beer. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, we drank a couple of the, the foam brewer uh, IPA. Built to spill? Uh, no, we had the, the single IPA. That was the only one I had two of. You okay. didn't get one of those, but I, we each had one of those. Wonderful. Um, I think that was, I mean, we Foam's doing good things out of Burlington, Vermont. Those are good. Really good. Beautiful spot right on uh, Lake Champlain, too. If you're ever in Burlington, Vermont, that is a place. Definitely to hit a up. place to hit up. All right, what do we think about the Live Oak Pills with a Z? Uh, yeah, I love it. Absolutely love it. I think you definitely get a lot more of the bitterness on this one, um, but it's clean, it's crispy. Uh, all these just have tons of clarity, so I, I really do think that they're probably filtering them. But uh, maybe it is just because of the the light malt bill. But but again, the lager yeast is really gonna. Um, flock out a lot. So you're not going to see a lot of residual because they ferment at such low temperatures. And you, you know, the, the, the term lagering just means that they ferment for a longer period of time too. A lot of the sediment's going to go right out of these. Yeah. Put up against the frame, I would prefer the live oak. Just a little less sweet. Um, just a, a great beer. And I think it's hard to beat the live oak. And right now, like, I'm just, in my mind, I'm trying to stack these up for, you know, how I would rank these right now and just my flavor profile I'd probably go live oak sideward and and probably I'd probably go to the perennial and then the frame Whoa. and the angry chair personally 
There you go. Is this our last one? Yeah. Okay. So I have a tough time. I mean, I know sideward, uh, we were going to talk about that a little bit more. I mean, I think that one's fantastic. I'm having a, t- a tough time with sideward, live oak, and frame. I think those are I kind think those of in, are a, in a separate favorite. tier. Um, they're all a little bit different in their own way where I could almost see like if I got used to all flavors, I would just kind of feel like one of them on different days. But uh, the sideward one is fantastic. And I mean, I don't know. I think I don't even know if Pilsners just around the country yet are really getting hype, but maybe Live Oak is the most hype. But the frame one, obviously, it's 11 on Beer Advocate, so I'm sure people are seeking that out a little bit. So Sideward's probably definitely the one that's under the radar, but they're all fantastic. Um, I think the Angry Chair was probably a little bit oxidized. It probably just um, spent August with 24th the crawler. in the crawler, so it's you know close to three weeks old. So I mean, there was maybe a little bit less carbon, a little bit less on that one. But the I think having that great. on tap, it probably would be I've, hard to. Dis- I've had it on tap and it was great. And I yeah. was even thinking when we were trying it, I was like, yeah, this is a little bit different than it was on. It's tap. just lower carb. But it's kind of lost. A little. Oh, great! I mean. I was just thinking, like, <laughs> if we do these with, typically when we have like five or six beers on the table, I'm feeling pretty buzzed. But then, <laughs> no, see, that's the like, nice thing about drinking these. five really and nice. sub five. We got right. four point seven, four point nine, five. I mean, these yeah, are pretty all nice. high quality, for sure. And I think it just comes down to a, a, a preference. And you know, the the frame with that that honey that you talked about with uh, just a little bit more um, of the sweetness to it. That's just not what I would gravitate to versus some of these other ones. It's still fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but I would, I would much rather have the live Oak or the sideward. Yeah. Sideward out of Orlando. This is a great, great Pilsner. There's a great beer bar down in Orlando. What is it called? Red door, red shoot. I don't know if I've ever been to Orlando other than like (laughs) as a four year old at Disney, that Disney uh, world. That is a fantastic, um, fantastic beer bar down there. If you need to go, but uh, I appreciate Eddie sending those. I appreciate Ian sending, Heck yeah, um, sending the angry chair, and uh, obviously a shout out to his name is Drew Kelleher out in Oregon who sent the yeah. frame Thanks, pills. Uh, not to mention Jason Haynes um, from Texas who sent up the live oak. So a uh, lot of good people out there willing to share yeah. what's great Love in it. their local areas. So. So the burger place was Max Local Eats. Okay. It's only about, I don't know, three three to five miles, maybe six miles from Side Project, but kind okay. of straight east. Um, but yeah, real quick wrap up on, on the beercation. So Saturday we went to Perennial. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, it's kind of a weird structure, but I think they're on either the base floor, maybe a building kind of in front of like a big apartment complex, but it's a beautiful building. Uh, they've done a great job with the tap room. They've got... A nice, uh, like, true dartboard setup. The the bar's really nice. Uh, sorry, they I'm going to interrupt you for a second. Yeah. It's called Red Light, Red Light in Orlando. If you ever go down to Orlando, right. it's one of the best uh, beer bars in the country. Red Light, Red Light. Okay. Anyway, go ahead. They had Barrel-Aged Vermilion on draft. That's their bourbon barrel-aged barley wine, so we had one of those. Um, yeah. They had a Braxis. Sorry, they didn't have that on draft. They had an on-site bottle, but they had Vermilion. Braxis. Yeah, Vermilion. It was terrific. I think Maltvin was better. Um, and then thinking back to Blue Ridge by Perennial, I think I still like that a little bit better. But So Blue Ridge out of those are your favorite? I think the, Blue Ridge out of those yeah. three. And yeah. that's in spent Mama, Mama Mama barrels. Yeah. The Vermilion, is that the um, label? It's, like a, it's got, got a cardinal on yeah, it? Yeah, it's got okay. a cardinal, kind of a reddish-orange wax. Yep, okay. 
So, uh, but perennial, it was, gosh, it was like 85 degrees, not a ton of humidity. We sat outside, we played bags, they had a really nice patio, huge patio actually. So we did that. Um, we went to Four Hands afterwards. They had Madagascar variants on site. Nice. <laughs> so we went to the bar and basically three of us put our credit cards down, got one of each of those. So they had a maple, they had um, like a cocoa, let's see. A cacao, cacao and chili pepper, maybe, or cacao cinnamon, cacao coconut, something like that. And then a third one. Um, but really cool tap room there with an upstairs area. There was a Cardinals game that night, so a ton of baseball fans there. Did we see you in a Cardinals jersey? You did. So uh, Mark is shaking his it was, head. It was part of... Unbelievable. It was... It was part of the the handout for the first like I don't know thirty thousand fans that got there, so I like just figured it. I'd stay loyal and just wear it. Whatever. Next, Evan's gonna be wearing a Hawkeyes jersey this weekend. Never. Thank you. So we did for food Mission Taco in Soulard. Oh, fantastic, tacos. fantastic taco place. And then Pappy's Barbecue. We had nice. it catered to the uh, Airbnb and. My goodness, that was some good barbecue. So, question: did Pints you get, and provisions. Did you guys just stay in St. Louis, or did you go to Southern Illinois? <laughs> we stayed just in St. Louis. You okay. were going to go. We were going to go to White Rooster. I would say. Uh, and scratch maybe. Sunday morning, we we're no, we were going to do just White Rooster, but Sunday morning it was just kind of like it was up to bread and three days of pretty heavy drinking yeah. and. You're like, nah. it's time to go home. you know, and a couple other guys were ready to get home and kind of start the Sunday ready, get ready for work week and stuff. So sure, we yeah. just uh, scratched that. We did go to Sump Coffee, um, nice, and get some get some coffee. They really nerd go. out about coffee. Oh, they really do. Um, but we had a couple coffee nerds there, so that was fun. And sounds it's just, like a, I mean, really like, like going to a, a nice coffee place is almost just as exciting as going to a really for good sure. brewery. Like, or, it's or, just, or food or anything else. Yeah, yeah. it was great. Truly, the pints and provisions. Yep. So, All right. well, cheers, guys. This Thanks for Pilsner Palooza. All right.